Welcome back to The Good Play, a podcast about NBC's The Good Place. My name is Brianna, and with me on the line, she's the captain of the good ship Chelinor. It's my sister, Marissa. Honk, honk! All All aboard! aboard. (laughs) We are accepting passengers in every fare class. Please step aboard. Whether you entered with us during season one, two, or three, you will find your birth magically appointed... Just I didn't note your ticket, honk honk. <laughs> let the record uh, let us remember that I was not a shipper until season two. So I'm afraid you have a slightly less I, nice. I'm in birth. steerage. <laughs> <laughs> not quite. I'm shoveling the coal down there. <laughs> Does this make me Kathy Bates in yes. Titanic? <laughs> Well, let's hope this ship does not crash because... Actually, no. Because I will go down wait, with no. it. <laughs> if you're the captain, then you are... I guess I'm, I'm, I'm beardy white guy, yeah. You're uh, the guy who played Theoden in <laughs> oh, Lord of the Rings. Oh, yeah. The same guy. Yes. I was almost going to say you were Victor Garber, but he's just like the wealthy guy who shows Rose around the ship. I still haven't seen Titanic. What are you talking we, about? We've had this revelation on this podcast before. What? I'm like a newborn baby every time. <laughs> we did this. Um, uh, we did this during the Placebo Boulevard episode. <laughs> that was still my favorite joke. You still have it. Well, can we? Yeah, we have a lot to cover. Oh, yeah, we do. <laughs> I'm getting too tripped up at the beginning, but uh, I guess I. You know what? I can be Jack. You know, I'll, I'll just slip on last minute with a ticket. That's how he gets on the boat. He's, he, and then he, he dies. He, he wins it in a card game, and then he dies. <laughs> I hope I don't die from this. <laughs> I hope the good ship Chalinor stays afloat for many, It'd be many It really seasons. weird obit to have to write. <laughs> like, what? It would be a really weird obit. Like, you know, beloved sister died because a television <laughs> romance didn't work out. <laughs> Listen, I've been on the brink of that before. <laughs> so <laughs> Very dark. You know, dying inside, not actually dying. But before we go any further with the, like, you know, twisted metaphors here, uh, a little bit of housekeeping up front. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, and at goodplay.cast.rocks. Please rate and review us on iTunes. We got a lovely new iTunes review that we were just tickled by. So thank you so much. We'll read it, you know. I think we will. I, people deserve to have their reviews read if they go through the trouble of writing yeah, them. Yeah, it was lovely. I just figured we'd save it to the end, right? Yes, okay. yeah. And then you can follow and like us on Facebook. Uh, we have a group called The Good Play. Twitter, at The Good Play Pod. Marissa does the uh, live tweeting for every episode. <laughs> oh, man, it was such a... It was so. I it was such a dr- drama llama situation during the live tweeting on Thursday because first I didn't realize I was on the wrong channel. I think I was on MSNBC instead of NBC. Oh no, that's and very it was like, different programming. <laughs> it was like Lester Holt, and I was like tweeting like, "Is the good place on?" Because it was unfortunately. Oh god, I mean, I don't know if we want to get into this, but it was the same night that um, a person shot up a bar no we don't want to get into this i know but it, i thought it was breaking news coverage and so i was like well what's going on finally my husband figured out like you know dingus you're on the wrong channel so like whoopsies thankfully we we dvr the good place so he just jumped to the dvr and we started watching it i was only like a minute behind but that already messes with my live tweeting and then my son like snuck downstairs at, towards the end of The Good Place and was, like, trying to pester me. And I was like, Mommy can't talk right now. <laughs> Mommy's <laughs> at work. <laughs> right? And then my husband's like, pause it. I was like, I can't pause it. I'm live tweeting it. And he was just I like, have, I have 13 Twitter followers yes. that I can't let down. <laughs> well, actually, uh, you know, our tweet got, my tweet got yes. cited. I guess we're going to talk about that at the That's end, too. That's right. But this is We're why I do now. the. So this is 
if anyone is actually listening to this, which I, I have numbers that there are some people listening to this, you know, I think that the, the only real quote unquote publicity we do is the live tweeting. You yeah. know, you use that hashtag, you show up in people's feeds, people get curious, and maybe they start listening. That's really the only way that people find the show, I think, unless it's word of mouth. So it's I find it to be pretty important. And and no, I'm not going to go parent my child. <laughs> I'm going to you keep do that live the tweeting. other 23 and a half hours a day. God, don't I know it. <laughs> and you can also find us, or I'm sorry, you can uh, email us at thegoodplaypod at gmail.com. And we got... A lovely email. We got, actually, Marissa and this person have ha- been having a little bit of a back and forth. So thank you for, uh, we'll, we'll talk about it, that at the end too. But it's it's good for listeners to know that if you do email us, we'll get back to you. Yeah. Because we love hearing it. from you. Yes. It's like, um, it's like putting a message in a bottle and then getting something back. It's crazy. Yeah. So we do have a lot to go through. So do we want to jump into the recap? Yes. Okay. So at the end of last episode, we left it where Michael was like, oh, I forgot to tell you, you and Chidi were in love in one of the reboots. Okay. Hey, well, I'm <laughs> done. I don't want to talk about this anymore. We have skipped forward ahead a little bit in time because apparently Michael has explained to Eleanor that Janet has saved all of the data about all of the reboots, which was uh, not... That so- seems significant and we <laughs> didn't know that. I'm sorry. <laughs> I know. Like, it's kind of crazy that that didn't even come up at any point during the beginning of the third season. I wonder if they just decided later. Like, that seems like something that we should have known at the end of season two when they got rid of, when they torched the neighborhood or, or deconstructed the neighborhood, but maybe they didn't decide it until, you know, more recently. Yeah, maybe. And, and Janet has the, you know, Michael calls them like a memory gizmo or something. It's just the same virtual reality thing that Chidi was using before. But the implication is that, Eleanor can be given her afterlife memories back using Janet's sort of VR technology or what have you. And so Michael and Eleanor go to a deserted building, which is the Tostitos Public Library presented by GoDaddy. (laughs) Just just another dig in Arizona. Shout out to the Super Bowl, we found out. Yeah, who cares? (laughs) Michael does not want this whole thing to go down but Eleanor is very insistent and Eleanor says and I think she's right about this like they're my memories and I want them and I think that's a very fair thing to say yeah so also very um eternal sunshine which we have talked about a lot on this podcast oh such a great movie so my I don't understand why they put this gag up in front of this episode because I just find it to be gross and unnecessary me too But they started off by, you know, Michael, like, inoculates Eleanor's brain by just giving her, like, a random three-second memory. And we cut to Eleanor, whose hair has fallen off. Sorry, her hair has fallen out and her teeth are falling out. And she, like, spits them. It's disgusting. And she spits them into, like, a Tupperware container. And somehow, so that's basically, like, cut to the, you know... The little, you know, do, 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 and cut back to her. And now she's fine again. And he yeah. says, okay, well, now you're, you know, inoculated against the memories or whatever. Like, what? <laughs> what? It's, it's real gross. What was the point of that? Like, and how did she instantly grow back all her hair? She asks Michael if she was hot while she was bald. And no, she wasn't. She looked awful. But like... How does she, like, instantly grow back all of her hair and her teeth? Like, He what? just hand waves it. He's like, you should be fine in about 20 minutes. And then they cut 20 minutes later, and she's, like, totally back to normal. I'm like... It's such a cartoon physics moment for a show that is currently in the real world. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was very strange and completely unnecessary, and I'm going to stop complaining about it now. So... What Eleanor wants to see is reboot 119, which is when she and Chidi fell in love and admitted it to each other. Although I would, I would argue they probably fell in love in a bunch of the reboots, but it's fine. But honk honk. This, this is, well, this is specifically the one that, if you remember in the episode, what's it called? The best versions of ourselves or mm-hmm. yes. best self, best self. This right. is specifically the one that Michael tells them about in that episode. So, and the one she has the tape of. Yes, that too. But he he says to them like, "Well, uh, you know, 
you guys were studying and Chidi was about to sneeze and she anticipated you and gave you a um a tissue and like that kind of endeared you to her and da 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 and then you went for a walk by the lake and then you kissed and you were in love like that is specifically what he was talking about in that episode so yeah it's also what she had the vhs of from mindy yes 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 so we we are back you know eleanor puts these things in her ears and we are back in season one the good place and god it's good to be back (laughs) i was just like oh i miss this so much like the neighborhood and all i love bamba john (laughs) like annoying, but she's kind of great in her own way like oh man i miss simpler times yeah you know like mm, uh, man and i don't know did they keep this set i guess they must have i don't know so eleanor and chidi are doing a lesson about free will and determinism and eleanor calls chains calls saint thomas aquinas tommy quine quine which i <laughs> thought was it's it's pretty good it's also very aziz ansari in uh yes Rec. yep that's exactly Chicky what it parm, is parm or whatever yes so Chidi's <laughs> about to sneeze. Eleanor gives him the tissue, and that you know, just as Brianna just described, that Michael had described to them. Back in the Tostitos Public Library, <laughs> Eleanor is like, "See, like, look how good I was at philosophy. Like, and 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 my class voted me most likely to die young and unaccomplished." And Michael's like, "You did die young and unaccomplished." <laughs> She's like, "Ah, yeah." Touche. Yeah. What were the senior superlatives at that school? Oh my goodness. Yeah, that's it's very dark. We Arizona have, like, man. Most artistic and like, you know, best hair. Most likely to win a Nobel Prize, yeah. Yeah. So well, we didn't go to school in a tugboat, so <laughs> yeah. neither did Eleanor. That's true. Back in Reboot 119, it's choose a pet day, and you can like choose any pet that you like, but there's like a finite supply of them somehow and Jason's like, oh, I want a mythical creature. I want a penguin. And oh Eleanor's like, <laughs> Eleanor's like, Jason, penguins are real. And he's like, that's the spirit, Eleanor. <laughs> that's, that's the spirit. So, funny. so Eleanor picks a lizard, which is so We're going to talk about this lizard. I'm so happy. Oh my God. I love this. This is the best sight gag in the, maybe in the season thus far. Jeannie tries to choose between these two adorable puppies. I mean, Ugh. just like painfully adorable puppies. I would have I picked the, the golden retriever. So there was a white one and a black one. I couldn't, I don't know dog breeds well enough to be either. able to. I'm assuming the white one was a golden retriever, but maybe I, I actually don't think it was. Well, I would have picked the, it was fluffier. I would have picked the fluffier <laughs> one. <laughs> it was so cute. <laughs> Um, Tani picks Tani picks a mirror centaur, which is a centaur that is a horse from the waist down, and from the waist up is it's human. So it becomes half Tahani, and it's like even worse than Tahani is. It's 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 so, so stuck funny. up in vain. So awful. Um And she she's after- like, it's very judgmental. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Chidi after like weighing pros and cons and Eleanor's just standing there with her lizard pal like hanging on her shoulder just she's just watching him like go back and forth between the two of them he comes back both puppies are gone so he has to choose between some sort of horrible like lizard no some sort of like horrible snake monster or something so all that's left is an albino python um, he's like nope <laughs> a tarantula squid which comes back later in the episode and mm. an owl, like a spotted owl. Yeah, so, which is the obvious choice. Among and and three Eleanor, of those. with the lizard on her shoulder, is going tarantula squid, tarantula squid. <laughs> she really wants him to get the squid. Oh, I miss season one. So <laughs> we're at Eleanor's house with the creepy clowns, and Chidi's hiding from the owl. And Eleanor's like, "Just ask Michael to make you a puppy, another puppy. Who cares?" And Chidi's like, no, you know, I, I said made I my... made my bed and I have to bleed in it. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and Eleanor's like, I will talk to Michael for you. And he's like, oh, you would do that for me. And she's like, yeah, it's the least I can do. You know, you're doing so much for me. And it's really sweet. <laughs> and, and she's like, and she's like bandaging him up, which is like pure fan fiction. I think <laughs> like the writers are like probably went on archive of our own and was like, let's see what's going on today. <laughs> 
They definitely didn't because they could get in trouble, but I like where you're I like where you're going because there's <laughs> definitely another part of this episode that I think is directly inspired by fan theories. <laughs> yes, I agree. So you know, in the Tostitos Public Library, this this by the way, this episode is just totally in in the real world, quote unquote. It's a two hander. It's really just Michael and Eleanor yeah. the whole time, and we get a glimpse of the others towards the end. But it's like literally the credits are rolling on top of their faces. Yeah. So Michael's like, "Let's just can we stop now?" And Eleanor's like, "No." And what are you hiding? And keep going. So back in the reboot. Um, <laughs> Yeah, Eleanor and Tony are talking, and the lizard just starts. <laughs> should I? Okay, should I talk about this now, or should we wait? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Okay. So, this was amazing, and this lizard was like a plus lizard. He just it was like DGAF lizard, like lizarding up her face and just crawling through her hair, and like landed on top of her head and just stayed there. And you can and her tell- hair is just all. <laughs> and Kristen felt like. You can tell her face, she's, like, obviously, like, a lizard claw is, like, in her scalp. So her face (laughs) is expressing that, but she's still talking, still doing the scenes, still interacting. Okay, so apparently Vulture (laughs) found out, well, they did find out, that apparently um, this was just, I don't know if it's correct to say it's an improv by the lizard, because, like, the lizard (laughs) didn't have, like, stage directions. But The lizard was in UCB. (laughs) Yes. Came up alongside some of our faves, Jason Mansukis, Amy Poehler. Anyway. And Zach Woods. Zachary Woods. Yeah. So, so, but the lizard, they did not train the lizard to do that move is, is the real thing. So the, the show's animal trainer was quoted All right, by I need saying, an occupation yeah. and a subject you might study in school. Um, Animal trainer. So the the show's animal trainer said uh, the lizard was pretty mellow, but the lizard just did. He did that. She said it wasn't something the trainers trained it to do. Reptar- reptiles aren't really, quote, trainable like that. He just decided to climb up her head and be in a different spot. Kristen went with it and they kept filming. The lizard wanted to get some better camera time. Some actors wouldn't have liked it and would have uh, asked to cut and reset the lizard, but you could tell she was loving it. It ended up being a great scene. So, the, so like, she's got the lizard on her shoulder. I'm imagining this, like, while they're filming. Right. And she's in the middle of a sentence, and this <laughs> lizard just starts, like, doing its thing and crawling up her head. And in, and she just rolled with it. Like, what a consummate professional. Two things. One, how did everyone in the scene not break? Yeah, that's a great question. <laughs> Two, I already knew that Kristen Bell was, like, the chillest, coolest person out there. <laughs> this is confirmation, but I will just tell you, like, an anecdote from another podcast. Obviously, I am a huge TBTL fan. I listen to it every day. Mm-hmm. But the host of TBTL, he had a daughter when he was 17. So he was a teen father. And so he was, and he and the mother, like, were never really together. So he had a lot of sort of misadventures in parenting. Um, and he said that one time he took his daughter to, like, a, to see, I think, a Broadway show or something. Because he, he worked in New York for a while and he used to have her in the summers. And he's sitting next, he says, I'm sitting, we're sitting next to this woman. And I can tell that she's too beautiful to be, like, a civilian. <laughs> like, that she is someone, but I don't know who it is. And she, like, gives my daughter red vines. Uh, she, like, shares them with my daughter without even being asked. And I just was like, wow, what a cool woman. And then it's, like, turns out that it's Kristen Bell. Wow. This is, like, a long time ago. But, so, yeah, Kristen Bell is legit awesome. Can I tell another Kristen Bell story really quick that is from Michael Schur? Okay. Okay. So I was, uh, this was from the actual Good Place podcast, which, if you are here because you think this is the actual Good Place podcast, <laughs> welcome. Um, we're, it's not, but hopefully you're still having fun. So they had Mike Schur on, uh, for the, a few weeks ago when the, the season premiere of season three was on. And he told a story about how he was doing an event. Oh, no, no, no. It was his daughter's birthday, and his daughter was, like, turning four or five or something. And she loves Frozen, obviously, because every little girl loves Frozen. And Kristen Bell, he said, without even being asked, Michael Schur was just like, 
oh, you know, it's so-and-so's birthday. Like, do you want to come to the party? And she goes, oh, would you like me to call your daughter as uh, Princess Anna and wish her a happy birthday? Oh. And she did. Like, and this was like, Michael Schur was like, I did not ask her to do this. Like, I mean, I I would imagine, like, you know, you want to be sensitive. Like, she probably gets asked that a lot. He's like, I didn't ask her to do it. She volunteered. She calls Mike Schur's cell phone and leaves Mike Schur's daughter a happy birthday message as Princess Anna. And Mike Schur plays it for his daughter and says, look, look who called you. It's Princess Anna. And it's like, hi. I don't know his daughter's name, but like, hi, Janie. It's Cindy, Princess Anna. Whatever, yeah. Cindy, you know, um, you know, just w- I'm here with uh, Olaf and Sven and we want to wish you a happy birthday. And Mike Schur's daughter just like, is like deadpan for a second. And then she starts bawling because she's so happy. <laughs> so basically Mike sure is like, Christy Bell's the coolest person alive. I thought the end of the story was going to be her turning to her dad and be like, no, that's Eleanor. <laughs> Could you imagine? Because that would be my, you know, six-year-old's reaction at yeah, this point. Yeah, that's true. Be like, no, that's, that's Eleanor. That's true. That's true. Anyway, so Christabel's super duper effing cool, forking cool. And uh, and in this scene, she has a lizard on her she head. She has a lizard on her head and is remains like totally unfazed by it. And it's amazing. Yes. Meanwhile, the, the mirror centaur is requesting high-heeled horseshoes cause, <laughs> and she makes some sort of glue factory joke. <laughs> Eleanor goes to Michael and says, Michael, you know, can you switch out pets for Cheaty? And Michael's like, look, I will, but tonight there's going to be a party where you can inhabit the body of your pet. And I think it would be nice for Cheaty to be able to have the experience of flying as a bird. And, you know, Tani, do you mind hosting? Tani's like, of course. And the centaur is like, is that what you're going to wear? Yeah, and Tony's like, why? Is it not flattering? <laughs> like, By the way, or... her dress was amazing. The blue it, dress. Oh, they always were in, oh the, God, in the season amazing. one. Her dresses were always great. Amazing. Oh. So, <laughs> yeah, so they're getting ready for the party and Eleanor can't find the lizard. And she's like, I don't want to go to the party without the lizard because then maybe Michael will like figure out that I'm not really supposed to be here. So you guys all go without me and I'm going to like just look for my lizard. So she's like going around the neighborhood. Like, wait, 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 wait. Before you get there, <laughs> oh, okay. I just, I keep interrupting, I know. But Jason's penguin is dressed in a Jaguar's jersey. Specifically a Bortles jersey. I it's, cannot it's the right let number. that go un, uh, un, uh, unnoticed in, <laughs> yeah. on this podcast. Bortles. He's wearing a blank Bortles jersey. Anyway, continue. Yes. So... So she's going around the neighborhood like, Lizard, Lizard, why didn't I give you a name? Lizard. (laughs) And Chidi kind of pops out of nowhere and she screams and pushes him into the lake. (laughs) It's amazing. Fall. It's amazing. And she fishes him out of the lake and says, you know, did you see my lizard while you were down there? (laughs) No. And then... They're sitting, you know, side by side on the bench by the lake. And she's sort of like, why Why are you not soaring like an owl? And he's like, I just kind of wanted to help you find your lizard. You know, and I, you know, you're by yourself. I don't want you to be by yourself. And well, he said, I, I realized I'd rather be out here with you. Right. And she, and she said, rather than flying like a bird. Yeah. And she, she lays one on him. It's great, guys. <laughs> Honk honk. Honk honk. <laughs> so we see, you know, the two of them being in love for a while and then going to Mindy's house. And we know we see, you know, the VHS we've seen 10,000 times. We see the actual, like, the non VHS version. Instead the, of the being all life. grainy, it's like the actual filmed version of the scene where they tell each other that he lo- they love each other. And it seems like it's the same footage to me. Yeah. And in the Tostitos Public Library, Michael's <laughs> like, that's enough. And Eleanor's like, no, it's not. Stop trying to stop me. Back in Reboot 119, Eleanor and Chidi are holding hands in Michael's office. It's so sweet. Ugh. I can't. That image of their fingers interlace. I'm just like, it's so beautiful. Hog, hog. Hog, And Eleanor says something like, love is stronger than anything. And Michael's like, love's... No, it's not. If I threw an elephant at you guys right now, it would squish you. And Chidi's like... 
Yeah, she was speaking metaphorically. And he's like, it's still dumb. <laughs> yeah. This is the, so I, I mean, her... I have this in the discussion, but like, this is season one, Michael. So he's like, not on their side yet. Yeah, so, it's different. He's a different yeah. character. But yeah. it was like, a little jarring. Anyway. Well, that's allegedly why Michael did not want Eleanor to watch these memories is because he he acted so badly. And also he doesn't care for his own fashion choices (laughs) in season one. Yeah. And Eleanor tells Shady, like, it doesn't matter. You know, we're going to find each other because we're soulmates. And Michael's like, there is no such thing as soulmates. I made it up to manipulate you. And ugh, great. And he like snaps his fingers and they're rebooted. And... Michael's like, look, I didn't want you to see all that. And Eleanor's like, no, it's actually fine. And now I get it. You know, determinism is real. I'm actually incapable of love, but it's fine. And Michael's like, what are you talking about? And Eleanor's like, you manipulated us. You know, you put us together. You told us we were soulmates. You had us living together. You arranged all this stuff. You made my lizard run away. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, you made me dependent on him. So it's like a reality show formula. It's the same thing that happens on reality shows. You stick enough hot people in a house and like they're going to fall in love with each other. And that's what happened. And Michael's like, no, that was not the lesson that you were supposed to get from this. She learned like the opposite point. Yeah. And he's like, it's not. No, determinism says that we have no free will. And that's not true. Like, you know, I couldn't predict everything you were going to do, which, by the way, is like an argument we've had on this podcast before yes is like the extent to which michael can predict eleanor's actions and his argument in this episode now obviously he has a little bit of ulterior motive but like his his argument in this episode is like he couldn't a lot of the time yeah hence why they had so many reboots right so they get kicked out of the tostitos public library because it's about to be closed and be used for uh, an adult film video shoot yes that's a that's a theme yeah <laughs> So they go to a diner and the waitress is like, what do you want to drink? And Eleanor's like, well, you know, I don't have any free will because whatever I want to drink is just a combination of like upbringing and genetics or whatever. And Michael's like, yeah, I'm going to have an iced tea. And she's like, oh, yeah, I'll have iced tea too. Yeah. Well, she says that before they get kicked out of the library, she says, you determined everything that happened to me in the afterlife. And before I died, everything in my life was was." predetermined by my upbringing and my genetics and my environment. And like, I had this moment, this like meta moment where I was like, Oh, this is everything we talk about on the podcast every week, every (laughs) single week for all these characters. It's like, well, Jason's environment and, you know, Tahani's family life and Eleanor's family life and all these things. Like you can see why they make the choices they do. And then it's like, Oh no, we're just being directly called out on this show. More about that when we get to yeah. uh, a Mike Schur interview towards the end. Yeah. Because it's in direct response to our, our, our fan email of the week. So Michael's like, let me show you a decision that you made that I could not have predicted. And he shows her like the famous thing from season one, uh, you know, reboot number one, where she um, reveals that she's the problem in the neighborhood. And, 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 Eleanor's like, no, that's not free will either. You know, you stuck me and Chidi together and and that's why I cared about him enough to sacrifice myself. And Michael's getting like super pissed and I'm actually I'm totally on Michael's side here. Yeah. He shows her reboot 445, which is apparently one we haven't seen before, which is welcome. Everything is okay. <laughs> and <laughs> he calls her into the office and he's just, he's like, he's got his like five o'clock shadow or whatever. And he's just like, you know, what? Like, you keep, basically, you keep evading my grasp, you know? And he brings up, like, a an infographic about her that's pretty great. And it, it, I have some infographic The infographic implies that Neil deGrasse Tyson is in a, is mad at her, but she's not mad at Neil deGrasse Tyson. (laughs) Which is my favorite part of that. And Michael's like, look, I couldn't predict you. And, and I, you know, determinism doesn't work here. And, right, so this is this is the part of the episode I was like, oh, the writers have been spending some time on the internet. Yeah, yeah. Because Eleanor's like, 
well, how do you know? You know, maybe you don't have perfect knowledge. Like maybe this, maybe you're in like a meta hell, you know, you're in a hell for demons. And this whole thing is like a torture chamber set up for you. And there's like a, an, there's an Ur demon just looking at whatever. And as she's in the middle of spieling about and this. And those demons are, are being uh, controlled by uh, tarantula squids. <laughs> yes, thank you. As she's in the middle of spieling about this, he pours iced tea on her head, which I hope is the definitive end to everyone coming up with stupid good place fan theories <laughs> that I found stupid from the get-go and I am on record in like over 50 hours of content as saying are stupid. <laughs> that That this is a like... All of the, so th- this is what, if you read TV tropes, which I have certainly spent, I've, I've done my time in the TV tropes trenches. This is what they call epileptic trees, which I think is a lost reference, but. Oh, you, we like talked about this before and I didn't know what that reference meant and I still don't really know what it means. It was some fan theory that the trees on the island in Lost, I think, were epileptic or something. Like, it was that, it was that dumb. Okay. But, so it's now called the epileptic trees fan theories, which is that. You know, everything is 10 times more complicated than it appears to be. And there's, you know, there's 12 levels of puppet masters pulling the strings and like, you don't know, man, you know, it's basically the fictional version of like Alex Jones or whatever. (laughs) I always find that stuff stupid and unconvincing. And the writers have literally poured iced tea on its head. So let that let that be the end of it. And Delano's like, dude, not cool. And Michael's like, I-, I disagree. I think it's the coolest thing I've ever done. I love that line delivery. He's yes. so funny. And then he's like, look, you are trying to push this off on determinism because like, you cannot live with the fact that you actually were this vulnerable and this in love with somebody and like, and with somebody that you know. And, and it's fine that you're having a difficult time digesting that. But for you to suddenly pin it all on determinism is just like a lame cop out man this was some real talk that yes. was like i i was like uh i really liked that he was able to get that in her face about it and when she snap, she she snaps back and and this is the eleanor that we see like whenever she gets backed into a corner she just gets super defensive and she's like you don't know me man and he goes yes i do i know everything about yes. you remember well this is I exactly like that. um when when she tells uh, Mindy, like, Cheetah and I don't even know each other, and Mindy's like, yeah, you've known each other for a long time. Yeah, like, they've known each other for centuries, and yes. he knows every single thing about her, as we just saw. <laughs> like, we know everything. Exactly. Know, yeah. So I like that he was, like, in her face about it and was like, yeah. I loved this. Yeah, I loved I, this. And- yeah. Like, everything you're trying to do, I, like, everything you're selling right now, I'm not buying. I know you better right. than that. It was really cool. Right. And she's like, well, who cares? And he says, our whole project right now is trying to make people better to get them into the good place. And if if determinism is real, then nothing we're doing matters. And I don't want to believe that nothing that we're doing matters. And, like, I have free will. And I'm going to go use it to pick our friends up from the airport. And that's the worst possible use of free will. (laughs) But I'm going to go do it because I care about them. Oh, bye bye Yeah. And he, like, leaves. And Eleanor's just sitting there dripping with iced tea. And the, and the waitress is like, yeah, they use this diner to shoot adult films so after you should hours. So you should probably leave. <laughs> so they go to the airport. This is like the final scene. And um, no, I'm wrong. It's a sec- This is the second to last scene. So they pick up the rest of the crew who are, I guess, have flown in from Budapest. Yeah. And Eleanor says to Michael, like, I'm sorry, and you're right, and we are the freest people on the planet because we actually know the real deal about the afterlife. And Michael's like, I get it. It's okay. And she says, I think we should take things to the next level with Soul Squad. And Michael says, in order to do that, we have to go to Canada. Do-do-do! To find Brianna's the Brianna's hero <laughs> yes <laughs> yes she he doesn't say it's Doug Forsett but we know it's Doug we Forsett. know it is we because because in reboot is. 445 even she's sitting at the desk you know like Michael's desk that we've seen a hundred times and she's like who are you and where am I and she looks at the picture of Doug Forsett and she goes who's that guy like they make a point oh, to it's call him out yeah. in the episode. 
And so he's yes. like, he's like, guys, get ready. Like, we're not going home. We're going to rural Canada. And I was like, where yes. even is home? Like Arizona? <laughs> I guess. I don't know. The Tostitos Library. <laughs> Tostitos Library. <laughs> Meanwhile, Jason, Jason flew first class and they gave him a free vest, which is the flotation device. <laughs> <laughs> and if you follow the Good Place yes, stars on Twitter. on Twitter, which we do, they like... Manny Jacinto was just, like, trying to make everybody laugh, like, wearing his vest and, like, turning and looking super happy while wearing it. And uh, they were all cracking up. It was really funny. So the real last scene is Bad Place headquarters, where Sean uncocoons Vicky, who's in the middle of a fight that they were having, you know, two-thirds of the way through season two. Yeah. (laughs) And she's like, how long was I in there? And he's like, yeah, you've missed a lot. And It's it's like when C-3PO gets shot and then... Yeah, like he wakes up and they're like, "Oh no, we're in danger! I have to tell the others." Yeah, <gasps> stormtroopers in Cloud Here. City. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, Nerd so alert! He, he he makes her test out in the legal portal that they have built to Earth. She steps through; she's fine, and so she's followed by Sean and the skinny lady whose name I don't remember. And Glenn uh, pokes his head through. Too. Glenn, you know, Sean's like, you know, I've been working on this, blah, 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 whatever. And then Glenn kind of pokes his head through, like, we've all been working on it. And Sean's like, shut up, Glenn. <laughs> and that's that's the, end. the end. And so now the demons are on Earth, which is not good. No. And that is the episode. I liked this episode. Yes. I mean, I, I love being back. As I've said 18 times, I love yeah. being back. In the old neighborhood, and I certainly love Chelinor. It's just so. <laughs> Where do we want to start? I want to knock out of the way something the AV Club said, which was like, there are tiny inconsistencies between this version of Reboot 119 and the version that they were told about in Best Self, and that has to mean something. Like, no, it doesn't. No, it doesn't have to mean something. Epileptic trees. Like, the good place often does the thing where the thing that they said is, and then the thing that becomes the the thing that they said are slightly different. Because, as Mike Schur has said, it's a comedy show. They care about continuity, but they are not slaves to continuity. And so... Even though what they were told was that, like, oh, I made, oh, oh, Michael said it was a walk by the lake, but they weren't walking. Like, that's not, it doesn't matter. (laughs) This is how they wrote the episode, because that was how it, like, flowed for them in the writer's room. It doesn't mean anything. I'm saying that right now. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I know, I noticed that, too. And I was like, you know, they could have taken a walk after he after they kissed or like who i mean you know what i mean like it doesn't really that kind of stuff doesn't really matter no but no the av club was absolutely epileptic treeing it up being like this is obviously like no it's not no it's not it's a comedy show like yes it has all these very deep themes but at the end of the day it's a comedy show yeah and this is what works comedically well and i think that is like that's kind of a symptom of like the fact that this show is compared to Lost a lot. Mm-hmm. And, like, I think on a show like Lost or a show like uh, the, the first season of True Detective, right? Like, everything meant something and these inconsistencies actually meant that, like, something was awry and... Hey, th- uh, in this show, time really is a flat circle. <laughs> yeah, it's... Could you imagine? If the time first, is a Jeremy Barry. If the first season of True Detective, uh, what's-his-face? Woody uh, Harrelson. No, no, the other guy. The, Matthew McConaughey. Matthew McConaughey was like, time is a Jeremy Barry. And they're like, what is <laughs> happening to you? What are you talking about? I didn't watch True Detective. I'll no, be honest, no, guys. Did I. <laughs> but I do know time is a flat circle. But yeah, so like I, th- I think in those kinds of shows, like the inconsistencies and stuff really did matter. And there was a level for shows like Lost. There was a level of like, you know, being an at-home sleuth was like part of the watching experience. Right. Where I don't think. I mean, I think The Good Place is really cool in that it uses like every every inch of the screen to show you something cool and it's a lot of like little callbacks and i think you can have fun with the easter eggs but like it's very and hard certainly to... we're meant to be sleuths in terms of like when he says we're going to rural canada and doesn't tell you why 
you're supposed to know, you know, you're, you're right. supposed to have that much information in your head, but you're not supposed to have recalled like <gasps> a walk around the lake versus being pushed into like, those are different things. Blah, 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 blah. Right, 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 right. No, I think we can, I think I can get behind that. Yeah. I mean, I, there, there's a lot to talk about with this episode. Um, Certainly. So let me just, let, let's, let's yeah. maybe do a little bit on free will and determinism. Sure. I, I think that my thoughts about determinism are basically Michael's thoughts about determinism, which is that I don't want to believe it. That even if it... So so the problem with determinism is that if it is true... Well, let's just... Let's say this. If you believe determinism, then there is nothing for you to do with that information. You know, if you believe in determinism, then there's no point in trying to better yourself, you know, better anybody else, better your children. There's no point in... Pretty much anything. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's a very, like, nihilistic way to look at the world. Yeah. And I think some very smart neuroscientists have made the claim that things are a lot more deterministic than maybe we would like them to be. That a lot of times when we are making a decision, you know, as human beings, sort of the the neurons that make the choice kind of fire off before we actually have a chance to have conscious thought about it. So we might actually know that we're going to be reaching for the Raisin Bran before our mind actually goes, uh, I guess Raisin Bran. You know what I mean? Like, th- there is some truth to determinism in terms of neuroscience. I've never reached for Raisin Bran in my life. I'll just put that in. Oh, I, I really like Raisin Bran. But, but, my, but I always come back to the same thing, which is like, where does determinism get you? It gets you nowhere. It gets you back to square one. It basically gets you to despair to you know calvinism like i mean (laughs) look i think it's also you could also go the opposite way and say that like it's kind of freeing for people who don't want to take responsibility for their choices like eleanor yeah (laughs) i mean for her to say well everything that is gonna happen to me was like already determined and every choice I make is not really mine to make and that kind of thing. Like, I, I, I think that frees you up from having any sense of responsibility. And we've seen from her time on Earth before she died the first time. Like, we we saw from her time on Earth that, like, she's not a big... She doesn't, like, own up to her decisions. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> she, she's not a big fan of taking responsibility and she's very way, much the flight in fight or flight. Yes. And she says this at the end of the episode. She's like, I turn, I did what I usually did, which is like, I turned on the old blame hose. And I was like, it's all your fault. You know, she's miming <laughs> having like a big hose. But she deflects onto everybody else. You know, like with the whole dress bitch situation. She's like, well, it's her fault because she didn't lend me the, want to lend me the dress in the first place. And I had mm-hmm. to take it. Or, you know, we see her kind of blame and and she's also owned up to the fact that like you know i've blamed my my bad decisions on my parents my entire life and i don't want to do that anymore like we've seen her kind of go through those that step so i think you know where does determinism get you it either gets you to a place where you say like well nothing matters so like why should i make any decisions to like oh well this frees me up to make whatever decisions i want to because then i can just say like well it's out of my control. I'm going to do... Right, I don't actually even have any decisions to make right. in reality. Right. And don't get mad at me. Get mad at the system that brought the, me up. <laughs> the system, man. Yeah. Yeah. Don't hate the player, hate the game. <laughs> yeah. That's essentially what that is. How are they going to talk to Doug Forsett without giving him guilty knowledge that automatically puts him in the bad place? I don't know, man. Also, how old is he going to be now? You know, maybe a teenager in, his, in the 70s? I was going to say, maybe in his 50s? Yeah. I wonder if he's still a stoner. <laughs> well, in Canada, I think it's perfectly all right. <laughs> I wonder if we're going to get, like, you know how every place we've gone that's American, like, we get... Like, like digs on it? <laughs> yeah, digs on it. I wonder if they're going to do rural Canada digs. I mean, it would be great if he lives in a town that's called, like, you know, Raccoon Turd or something. <laughs> Moose Jaw. Yes, that was what that was a play on. Thank yes. you. <laughs> we love you, Canada. We do. We love your prime minister, that's for sure. I just want to throw out that Eleanor is sexually attracted to Sam Eagle. 
Sammy yeah, what did Michael say that he has he has she has sex dreams about him? She she's yeah, she's like sexual thoughts about Sam the Eagle. Uh, she's like, well, he's very authoritative, and I find that reassuring. Like, <laughs> that's interesting because that's the exact opposite of cheating. <laughs> hey, fantasies can be different than what you want in reality. I look, I sure. <laughs> it's in a very interesting pick. Yeah, I agree. good old Sam Eagle. Oh, tribute to every nation, but mostly, <laughs> mostly America. America. Uh, fun fact, Marissa and I and Marissa's nuclear little nuclear family went on a vacation on a Disney cruise a few years ago. And there was a like Muppets themed like ship, oh, detective yes. ship wide detective something or other. Yeah. And it was basically like a game for kids where they would run around the ship and find clues. For kids, you say? For I... kids. And then Marissa <laughs> and her husband went around and, and followed all the clues and, and figured it out themselves. And I think every I think every instantiation of the game has a different ending. Oh. You know what I mean? Well, your version of the game... So you had to figure out like who sabotaged a fireworks display, right? And your I can't version... believe you remember this. This was three years ago. Yeah, I remember a lot of things. Um, I need some. I need like the snap your fingers reboot thing so I can like make room in my brain for more pertinent <laughs> things. But uh, like microeconomics. Sab- yeah, uh, yeah. Um, who sabotaged a fireworks display? And the answer in your version was Sam Eagle because it wasn't patriotic enough to America. <laughs> That's so in character. God, I love that Muppet. <laughs> All great. Muppets are great. But Sam great. is one of my favorites. He's great. Oh, okay, do we want to... How about you... How about you... Okay, so like, the first thing, I guess, the easy part is that uh, one of my little live tweets was quoted in the Post, Athens. At, you know, at the Post. I guess it's Athens, Georgia. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I probably should have researched that. But I'm pretty... I'm fairly confident it's, it's Athens, Georgia. It's not Greece, that's for sure. <laughs> yes, right. Um, it was just one of my silly tweets where I just quoted something that happened in the show, and then I just just did like hashtag Chelinor. Was, it I was it wasn't like my own brilliant thought or anything. Yeah. They just got with a quote. That's fine, but that's nice to get that kind of that even that yeah. minute amount of, pos- you, of publicity. If you found us by reading the Post Athens, welcome. Yes, I'm very happy to have you. How about you um, read the the iTunes review? Oh yes. Oh, before that, can I just like very quickly say that I did think it, it it's it was jarring watching this episode. I know I mentioned this a little bit before, but like this episode was a real reminder of how far Michael has come. Yeah. Like Eleanor and Michael are really good friends and they've spent a lot of time together. They're and best friends at this point, they I would are, say. They are best, best friends and he cares about her so much and he cares about the rest of them so much. And it was just so interesting to see Ted Danson in the, like, snarky architect, you know, bad place architect version of himself again. Because we haven't seen that in so long. Turns out Ted Danson can act. Yeah, he does a really good job. (laughs) I mean, we knew that intellectually, but it's always so funny to, like, be like, oh, oh, yeah, he can just between, you know, the drop of a hat, he can just be his evil self. Yes. Uh, all right, we've got the iTunes review. This was from November 2nd from R. Belknap. And it's it, the title of it is Love This, and it's a five-star review. So thank you very much. This We're- is from Jenny, I think, who... who- yeah. Yes. This this is from this is from Jenny who sent the email. So 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 Jenny gets double feedback I guess today on today's yes. show because she went to the trouble, guys, <laughs> of, yes. get, of getting in touch and leaving an iTunes review. That's what happens. Yes. So, you know, if you want if you want leave a review and we'll read it next time. But she said, "What up, Ding Dong?" Unless it's a like, one-star review. <laughs> could you imagine? Like, I'm not a fan of Chelador. <laughs> And I don't like Sam Eagle. Oh, no, guys. No. (laughs) Don't do this. Okay. She says, what up, ding dongs? Which, like, I'm already on board. And she said, I was late to the party on The Good Place, and now I love it. I was, too, by the way. Can't get enough. It'll take me a while to get through all the podcast episodes. I'm on eight or so, but the sisters are funny, and they have an insightful perspective on things, and their off-topic tangents are delightful, especially (laughs) the supernatural ones. (laughs) That's right. It's it's a real real vindication of you. (laughs) It is. This is, I feel, 100% vindicated. 
And then she says, this is my first fan podcast and I'm hooked. If you love or even like The Good Place, then this is the podcast for you. If you haven't seen season one of the show, go watch that right now and then come back and listen along. Take it sleazy. (laughs) Right. Yeah. It should be noted that that's I'm okay. Um, <laughs> it should be noted that uh, I'm actually fine. It's fine. Everything's fine. How are you? No, it should be noted if you want to recommend this show to anybody that they have to watch season one before they because we don't have any we don't have any non guilty knowledge episodes. That's true. That are, that predate not. season season no. two. No. Okay. So Jenny also sent an email. Jenny from the block, as I've been calling her in my head. <laughs> I I don't know why. <laughs> so if you're in New York City, uh, Jenny, let me know. We um we we corresponded back and forth, and I will get to her initial question. But but every time someone gets in touch with me, I'm like, how did you? F- now I now I think to ask, how did you find the show? And this sweet sweet summer child told me that her friend heard about it on Slate, which is not a thing. <laughs> There's, this, this podcast has never been mentioned on Slate. Jenny's friend, can you get at me and <laughs> tell me how you actually found the show? That would be great. But so Jenny's original question was, and I'm just going to read it. I'm just going to read it verbatim. And, and she says she's still getting caught up. So she says that in the review too. She's still getting caught up. So this is something that we've addressed before, but I thought it was time to address it again. And this time I specifically have some like direct quotes from the showrunner. So we can like hopefully put this to bed. I'm thinking I can't trust everything Michael said, especially in season one. I'm not sure only a tiny percentage of people get into heaven. Michael said that while he was lying about everything else. I think it's possible that a much higher percent gets in. Same thing for the truth cube. It's a truth cube, so it sounds like we should trust it, but it was provided by Michael while he was evil, so should we? I'm not sure we've been painted an accurate picture. Florence Nightingale is probably not in hell. (laughs) I want to believe that too, but... (laughs) I... So what I said to her basically was, first of all, my my husband Chidi <laughs> went to the bad place. That already is like evidence of some seriously, seriously forked up decision making, right? Yeah, you literally called Chidi your husband in these emails. So yes, yes, my TV husband. Yes, yes. I have yeah. I have work husbands. I have TV husbands. I have actual husbands in my home. Just one. Oh yeah, j- just the one that I'm legally married to. Yeah. Yes. So. I dug up, and when I say I dug up, I mean it was the first Google result. I dug up. <laughs> you painstakingly combed through. <laughs> just imagine me like an archaeologist, like using one of those beautiful brushes to just get the sand off of a, of a beautiful dinosaur bone. <laughs> first Google result. Uh, it's a vulture interview with Mike Schur, and I'm not going to read every, it's, it's long, Um but I'm going to read a few of the questions and answers that are from that interview. So this was uh, interview was right before season three began. Question. The bureaucracy of hell is really extensive. Is torturing people for eternity really that demanding? Answer. The way we set up what our version of heaven and hell is, it's extremely hard to get into heaven. Business is booming down there, so they need a lot of people. Question. I didn't like it when Netflix went to thumbs up or thumbs down for rating things. The range of stars felt more accurate. Answer. That's Eleanor's argument, right? It's hard to look at a person's life and say good or bad. It's profoundly unfair. It's why she says there should be a medium place like Cincinnati. And it's absolutely part of the big picture of this show. The conception of the afterlife that splits you into are you good or bad is essentially unfair. That's going to be the argument of the show when all is said and done. Question. The heart of your show revolves around the idea that few people will get a good afterlife. It's really quite dark. Answer. One of the big things we have to grapple with is, if the universe is mathematical and if you do thing X, you get points total Y. Well, is that true? Is that true for me, a 43-year-old white man who lives in Los Angeles, California, in America? There's no outside oppressive force holding me down. Is it equally and exactly also true for an 11-year-old girl in rural Vietnam whose family is subsistence farming? How can it be true that I get the same amount of points for the same actions? Question. The novelist John Scalzi wrote an essay about this based on the video game concept of the lowest difficulty setting. Answer. Right. 
This is very funny because we wrote and then discarded a monologue at a certain point in season three for Manny Jacinto. Jason Mendoza compares all this stuff to playing playing Madden NFL on rookie level or on all Madden level. Oh what my he god, says that's is, amazing. Sorry. I know. What he says is you should get more points for scoring a touchdown on all Madden level because it's harder, but you don't. You get the same points for that touchdown and that's not fair. Okay. I know that was a lot. I'm sorry. It's a great interview. Just literally... If you Google Michael Schur Vulture, it will be your first Google result. But he says definitively, it's extremely hard to get into heaven. And when the interviewer asks about few people getting a good afterlife, he doesn't specifically confirm that, I guess I would say. But he launches into this whole thing about, you know, the lowest difficulty setting, you know, argument, basically. Right. So... You know, I've said this before. I'm saying it again, I guess, for the record. I believe Michael was telling the truth in pretty much all of season one, episode one, except for the parts about Eleanor's identity. I believe that Florence Nightingale is in hell. And so is every U.S. president except uh, Abraham Lincoln. Like, I believe the point system that he more or less presented. Yeah. I believe things stand as he claimed them to be standing. If that turns out all not to be true... This entire show has been built on a foundation of sand. That's exactly <laughs> what I was going to say. I agree. I agree with your agreement. We are in agreement. Because, you know, the pilot of the show is kind of like where you lay out the rules for your universe, whatever those are. And, you know, that's the assumption. Like, we have to have some grounding in some kind of reality or rule set for any of this to make sense or for any of this to feel like it has stakes. And if in reality it's not that hard to get into heaven or... If yeah, then re- what are we even doing? What are we doing and, like, you know, what's the big deal? Um, and to me it sounds, from everything that you've read and everything else that we've talked about, it does sound like it is very difficult to get into heaven and that's kind of the whole point of this you know manifesto that that uh janet and michael wrote a few episodes back that has yet to uh see the light of day see the light of day but i'm really interested in that what happens with that but that's kind of the whole point and it's kind of kind of the whole point of what they're doing so uh i'm inclined to believe that and he does say in the in you know the beginning of the second season that like you know I the lies I did tell you were always close to the truth because those are the most convincing ones. Right. <clears throat> it it would just be I I don't know what the show would be about at that point because what the show is essentially about is this sort of sabermetrics afterlife is this <laughs> deeply unfair thing that they need to overthrow, right? That's that's yeah. where this is obviously all going. And to say like oh well you know it is sabermetrics but it turns out that like half of people get into heaven so it's okay like (laughs) that's also you know they're trying to make a more profound argument about how you know the human soul is it's it's mutable even after death and how you know your circumstances on earth affect how good how much good you're able to put into the world and like they're really trying to tear down the system on every level but like a major part of it is also, it's dang near impossible to actually get into heaven. <laughs> yeah. And without without the foundation of that, the arguments about the unfairness start to crumble a little bit. Yeah. Although you could still make an argument. I, yeah, I mean, every time this comes up, I just tell myself not to get into it. Like, what about children? <laughs> they very specifically do not address that question on this show. So let's not also Although address Michael it ourselves. Sure. Although Michael Schur in that Yes, an 11-year-old girl in rural Vietnam. Yes, he does. Girl, right? Like, it's, it's... I don't think that you can have a show about something like this without thinking about that. Um, and I think that the point they're trying to make is that, like, it's an, un, it's an unfair system across the board. Like, and even I'll say, like, look, we're both in our 30s. All of these characters are in their 30s. If somebody dies in their 30s, it's not like, oh, they had a long life. Like, yeah. <laughs> I don't even think you have to say, like, well, what you about... You had a good run, Eleanor. Right, you had a good run. Like, I don't think anybody, you know, if I drop dead tomorrow, I don't think anybody's going to be like, well, she fulfilled her potential and all of her dreams and came true. <laughs> and, you know, like, 
She did get her tweet faved by, <laughs> by Ted Danson. Ted Danson. Can, so. If I die tomorrow, can that be on my tombstone? Just like the Ted Danson. I will not put it on your tombstone, but I will absolutely put it in your obituary. Obituary, you great. A hundred percent. I don't want to be buried, actually. So, uh, you know, put it on my urn or something. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely goes in my obituary. And can you also put in my obituary that uh, I was voted most likely to like die young and unaccomplished or whatever they said to Eleanor. If it makes you happy, I absolutely will. <laughs> so yeah, like I don't even think you need to say like, well, what about little kids? Like, you know, these are all young people that had their lives ahead of them. And, and, you know, I think even if we're talking about determinism and the choices that you make, like little kids don't have a lot of room to make choices for themselves, right? Their parents make no. their choices for them. A lot of times or or their guardians or their teachers or the crossing guard or, you know, this and that. So I Dang think, those crossing guards getting yeah. kids into hell. So like <laughs> I think as a kid, as like a, a little kid, you know, or even a teenager, right? Like the choices that you make are determined much more heavily by the people around you. And it's only when you become an adult that you have to kind of synthesize all of your upbringing and all those other choices that were made for you and kind of like try to find your own way. So I think for kids, the determination or the determinism would be like a much more applicable argument to say like, well, they really didn't have control over their environment. So what are we like, how, how can we categorize their choices? Because, you know, they're not making choices to, you know, do this or that or the other thing like they're being led in certain directions so depressing well i don't i don't necessarily think we should like let kids make all their own decisions no that's not no that's not the logical outcome of this argument i hope but you know long story short i guess i mean we we had chris emailing about the same thing and certainly you know michael anything michael said in season one is suspect to a degree but i i think that you know that that's the premise of the show and yeah. if it turns out to be false then it really feels at that point like it's not cheating they'd be perfectly within their rights to pull a switcheroo on that but on the other hand it would feel extremely disorienting yeah disoriented it was it would also be like you would really lose the trust of the audience at that point i think yeah i agree now, if it turns out specifically like Florence Nightingale is in heaven, like that was just meant to like shock Eleanor in the first episode. Like that's not a big deal. I'm talking about specifically like it's like less than 1% of people getting into heaven and it's all this sabermetric stuff. Like we have to kind of take that on faith at this point because right. that's the whole system that they're railing against now in season three. Yeah, for sure. So let's talk about next week's episode once I find the title of it. So, so... Funny enough, this episode was originally called, we know because we had that guy from Hawaii send us the original episode titles, and it was originally called uh, Reboot 445, which is the one where we see, like, that whole list of Eleanor's foibles, you know, and, and, and Michael is just given up. Yeah, and, and, and Michael's just given up. It's interesting that it was originally called that. Ah, okay. So, here we go. This is actually important. Next week is... The end of part one of season three, as far as I can tell. Oh, and then it we're is the- back <laughs> I'm sorry. in the... I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. We are back in limbo after next week. <laughs> We've got some pretty bomb ideas, though. Away. Away. <laughs> movies about death and or possibly Hallmark Christmas movies. Ooh. Yeah, I knew you would like that. We gotta do that one about the ghost. That's, that's not a Hallmark one. That's a I don't care. Mar Vista one, but yes. We gotta we do gotta that do one that about one. the ghost. Wait, that's that's doubly thematic. We're definitely doing that one. Yeah, we decided um, that the other time. Yeah, I yeah, have yeah. amnesia. <laughs> we both have amnesia. I forgot you hadn't seen Titanic. It's fine. But next week's episode is called Don't Let the Good Life Pass You By. And funny enough, it's not, uh, I don't recognize the writing credit on it, but uh, let me just scroll up real quick. Okay, so this is a gentleman who wrote, what's my motivation in season one? Oh. I, do, I don't remember what that 
one is. Oh, it's the one where Eleanor, I think it's the one where Eleanor, like, she is apologizing to everybody in the neighborhood and she makes them the Pobody's Nerfic t-shirts and then ah, she decides yes. to leave, right? Because it's all about how her motivation yes, is corrupt. Yes, yes, yes. And he also wrote in season two, he wrote Existential Crisis. So obviously that's a very funny bit with Michael and Janet. What if there was no me? Is that Yes, that? yes, yes. So he wrote this one next week called Don't Let the Good Life Pass You By. And that is it for 2018. And next week, I suppose we'll talk more about what exactly we're going to do. We may take a week off for Thanksgiving. Yeah, um, I think that's probably fine. Reasonable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll be in the same place again. But my children will also be there. So... The ability to uh, record a podcast uh, decreases dramatically with the introduction of a two-year-old and a six-year-old. Yes, indeed. So we probably will skip Thanksgiving week and we will resume the week after that. Maybe with that Robert Downey Jr. movie. (laughs) You just try to tempt me with all my crushes. Oh, but I've watched the trailer for that like six times already. I'm just like, this looks like so... Like, it's potentially either a total hot mess or it's like a hidden gem. I can't decide which we have to watch it. Okay, I'm on board. I'm on board. Uh, anything else? I think that's it. Thank you to Jenny. It was a real... From the block. Yeah, it's really, like, it's really fun to hear that people besides, like, our friends are listening to this show. <laughs> um, and, yeah, I really liked this episode. And do you have any predictions for what comes after the break or are we just we're not even doing it i don't uh, that's fair <laughs> I've no idea. that's fair that's fair till next week onward to saskatchewan <laughs> we will see you in canada ding dongs knock knock knocking on heaven's door knock knock knocking on heaven's door Not, not, not.